Greetings, my friends, and welcome to Hardwater Radio. This is Jason Archer. We're recording under the umbrella of Hardwater One here in the Valley of the Sun. And today we continue the mission to arm humans with the tools to crush mediocrity, create mastery, and live in total wellness with my next guest, Johan Noguera. Johan is the founder of Business Authorities and has built several multi-million dollar businesses. And today I have the privilege of having him join me from Australia where we're going to dive into his life and collect some of the nuggets and lessons that he's pulled and used to create the life that he's living today. So, Johan, thank you for being here, my friend. I really appreciate you being on. It is a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, dude, I'm so excited to talk to you. This is uh, actually, this will be my first, I guess, uh, podcast across the pond, shall we say. And <laughs> I know the, the time is a little bit strange. I think you're about 18 hours ahead of me, so it's actually tomorrow for you. Um, so I appreciate you taking the time out I and come, working with me on the schedule, man. I come from the future. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes you do. <laughs> so let's jump in, my friend. Um, I think your story is going to be super interesting from what little bit I know. And I'm wondering if you can start off just by giving us a little bit of color around your childhood and, you know, kind of where you're from and what started to shape the early part of your life. Yeah, man, for sure. So um, I'll start off at the age of, let's say, eight, eight years old. And my father used to work on the ships. Now, it's, um, he was an engineer on the ships. And so he'd be away for nine months of the year. It's much like you guys in America, you have, you know, uh, people who are in the defense force, et cetera. They're, they're doing tours. I consider him as, you know, he was out there, he was on, on tour. And so he came back one day and it's getting to the evening time. And I walked up to him and, and I said, excuse me, sir, do you mind leaving? We're about to have dinner. <laughs> and <laughs> for a father to have his son come up and say that, he realized that one, it's, you know, the innocence in the child and two, that his kids didn't know that he was the dad. <laughs> and because he was away for nine months of the year, right? Mm -hmm. And so it was a shock to his system and he had to make a drastic change because he didn't want that to be, you know, his legacy. And so he said, okay, we're migrating. And we had a choice between Canada and Australia. Canada was too cold. And so we decided to go to Australia. And so we've been here since 1991. And um, yeah, so when we got here, 1991 was the year that Australia was in recession. So there was no jobs available, and it was it was the recession that Australia had to have. So for one year, my father couldn't get a job. Now this is he was at the peak of his career. I think he was about 35, and very highly paid. You know, we we were very well off. And to come to a land where we knew no one, uh, everything was strange, and to have no money, not be able to get a job, and just be like desolate. That's the only way to describe it. And the only job that he could get was as a cleaner. Now, for somebody who's, you know, running a ship, a multi, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets that he's controlling to controlling a broom <laughs> and his sweeping pan. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I cannot imagine what a mindset shift that would have had to take for him to be able to do what he needed to do in order to get further in life. So through that, he... Uh, persisted and every night so he'd leave at three or four in the morning every night he'd come home exhausted but sit down and start reskilling himself learning studying at the local TAFE to get cre credentials that'll you know be worth something mm -hmm. and so he did that and now here we are I think we've been here nearly 30 years now and yeah he's he's built his own multi-million dollar portfolio and has risen to the top of his uh, career and he's got, always got a big giant smile on his face and says, I got you to here. 
it's up to you to take it to, you know, 10 times, 100 times, wherever you want to take it to. So that's amazing. That's, the... <laughs> that's such an amazing story, my friend. So where did you guys uh, immigrate from? From India. And then uh, you said your, your, only cho- your only real choices were Canada and Australia. Was that due to Correct. some sort of uh, passport or visa sort of restrictions or something? Yeah, yeah. They, uh, back in 1990, 1990, 1991, they were the one. Those were the two countries that wanted skilled immigration. So, mm. yeah. So that's that's how that worked out. Right on, my friend. And then, so when you guys uh, landed in Australia, what sort of transition did you experience? Was that tough for you as a young man? Oh, it was. It was huge. Back in India, we had six servants who wanted to clean the clothes, wanted to cook, wanted to take you know us to school, wanted to. You know, teach us tutoring and whatever it was. But we had we had a full house and a very well wealthy lifestyle. And when we came back, when we came to Australia, I remember the first day. Oh, my mom tells the story a lot. She said, "I said to your father, hmm, we're living in a one bedroom apartment. Who's going to cook?" And he goes, "You are." And she goes, "Who's going to clean?" He goes, "You are." He goes, "Who's going to take the kids to school?" He goes, "You are." She's like, can we just go back to India? Like, screw this. <laughs> Who wants to do all that? That's such uh, a that's such a crazy story, man. So, I mean, it's 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 so strange to listen because it sounds as though like you guys had it made in India. You know, there's a part of me that wonders, you know, why would you want to leave in the first place? Where where was your father just not seeing the opportunity there that he thought, you know, could just, could be? There's there's you know a billion people there and. It's just he he had the opportunity to travel the world and see that there is another world out there, and how amazing living in Australia or Canada would be. Mm-hmm. You know, there's over there we're in a apartment building. Sure, we had a lot of uh, facilities and you know people to service us, but the the lifestyle is completely different. So mm-hmm. yeah, so we came here pretty much for the lifestyle, and then the land of opportunity over there you're very uh, restricted. Whereas over here, you can you can do literally anything that you want, and that's what we've done. That's amazing, man. So when you say life lifestyle there is a bit restrictive, what are you referring to specifically? Uh, um, congestion, uh, economy, everything. It's just it's it's not a good it's not a good life to be here over there. Mm. No offense to any of my cousins and relatives <laughs> who are listening. <laughs> it's just um, it's just too packed and. When I was born, the doctor pretty much said, oh, your, "Your son will probably live till about ten, and then he's gonna he's gonna die." Really? And they said because I was the size of a palm of her hand, oh, wow. premature, and they're like, "Yep, you know, he's not gonna have proper brain function. His muscles might not form. Blah blah blah." So can you imagine putting that stress on a parent like that would fuck you up? <laughs> Excuse that, me for that swearing. Really would. Yeah. <laughs> no, for feel free. You can. Curse, curse and, all you um, want, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> and so I feel like you know, going back to that doctor and giving him giving him a good punch in the face for stressing my parents out so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, it, it's um, they came here because of well, basically lifestyle, much mm. better life. Wow, that's interesting, man. I mean, um, I think a lot of times in the Western world, I know for sure that so many people. Um, you know, in my circle or people that I've come in contact with have just taken for granted the opportunities and the lifestyle that we live, that we have the opportunity to live. And I know it's very similar uh, in Australia. And I'm just wondering if, if, you know, after seeing your father, you know, work so hard 
all of those early mornings, all of those late nights, you know, what did, what do you think about that sort of dichotomy of people thinking, oh, you know, well, it's just so hard to live here. I, I can't create, I can't do, I can't, I can't, I can't versus your father came <laughs> against all odds and here he is creating a massive business and, and you've done the same thing. Exactly. So I, I love to help people because I think every person deserves a chance, but it's those people who are completely always negative about, I can, I can, I can. Like I have, I I had, I should say, a lot of friends in my circle who'd always talk about, oh, you're so lucky, you get to drive this car. You're so lucky, you've got all these opportunities. You're so lucky, you've got, you're building this business. You're so lucky, you got that contract. And when I tell them, it's not got nothing to do with luck, it's hard work. They couldn't comprehend that, except... They'd be going home, they'd be sitting on Tinder, they'd be Netflixing, they'd be watching movies, they'd be, you know, they'd be doing all the stuff, which, well, it doesn't, doesn't really lead them to a journey where they can actually achieve success in whatever definition that is for them. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, so, you know, I love to help people, but people who don't help themselves, I do not have time for. Definitely. So was that, so was it difficult for you to separate yourself from those people or did it sort of happen by default as you started to go down a separate path? Um, at, at the start, it was a bit difficult because I found it as you develop, as you develop your brain and you become more aware of pretty much the world around you and how amazing and intricate it is and how literally at this day, in this day and age, literally I could read a book I could go on Facebook or go on LinkedIn. I could connect with that author and have a discussion about his book, his or her book. What a what a fantastic time to live. And yet, everybody's got the same tools, right? And so these people would be sitting there watching cat videos and, you know, just whatever. <laughs> I was like, okay, we don't really have much to talk about. So all the people who are not on your same level, you quite quickly move away from them. It's just, it's, uh, it's just part of life. Mm-hmm. energy flows you know in different directions and that's why like attracts like so people who you are have the same mindset as automatically you will get clumped up together now if you look at the way facebook works how did you and i get connected and if this was 20 or 30 years ago there's no way in hell we would ever connect <laughs> we have true because we're in we're on different continents and different cities in different Suburb. Even if we were in two separate suburbs, we'd probably never connect. Right. But now, yeah. because we are all clumped in into the same mindset, like because we have we hang out in the same groups online mm-hmm. with the people who have the same mindset as us, that's the reason why we can connect. Yeah, it's really interesting how how small the world has gotten. I think thanks to social media in a lot of ways, and when you leverage the tools to advance yourself, like what you're talking about, it really does open up a whole new way of thinking and being and a whole new way of interacting with, with the world. And then the flip side of that is, you know, some people might say, well, it's not a real relationship. It's not real interaction. But by the same token, if you're exchanging ideas with someone, it seems to me like you still have the op- the same opportunity to learn from that person, whether or not you consider the relationship real or not. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, for sure. I, I believe that every relationship that I have is valuable valuable because I can add value to them they can add value to me and if and if there is no exchange then that uh, relationship or friendship is is dissolved so yeah in this day and age like literally you know just before this phone call I had a guy message me going hey I've been watching all your stuff online I'm running a 
event, there's 300 business owners going to be there. Can you come speak? Like, it's incredible the way that, that the way that social media works and the people that you're connected to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've picked up, I don't know how many interviews from just interacting with people of like mind in similar groups. And I, I feel it's a fantastic tool when people actually use it. Like you said, you know, a lot of times it's just cat videos or, or useless sorts of, <laughs> you know, expenses of time. But if you actually use the tools to actually try to connect with people, there's a lot of value there that can be created for sure. For sure. So after your father uh, brought you guys here and you started to get settled in and acclimated and, you know, started plugging into the community and the school and that sort of thing, what did, what direction did you start to take your life? Were you interested in business and personal development from the get go, or was this something that sort of evolved for you over time? Um, my first job was working at a McDonald's and I was getting paid $5 an hour back then. And I remember it was 1996, I think it was. And I see this big, giant American dude with big teeth talking about how you can have anything you want in life. (laughs) (laughs) And and I remember saying, you know, it's a $350 and you get all seven CDs and blah, 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 and it'll change your life. And I went up to my mom and I said, look, I can't afford this, but I'm going to work for it can I borrow $350? And she said, yes. And that was the start of my personal development journey. Wow. And so from that, so this is Mr. Tony Robbins, from listening to that, you know, it completely changed my entire life because all of a sudden the choices that I made were mine. They were nobody else's. Prior to that, every other decision in my life that I'd ever made was determined by other people. So by taking back control of every decision in your life, it opened up limitless possibilities. That is such a key idea, I think, to really allow to sink in and understand. And you picked this up from your purchase of the Tony Robbins materials. Yeah, correct. That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. So uh, what program was this one? Do you do you remember the name of that, it? That, oh, yeah. I listen to it every year. I still listen to it every oh, year. Oh, do you really? It's... <laughs> Because every year you evolve, every year you change. And so the information means something different to you every time you listen to it. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's the Get the Edge program. Okay, great. Yeah. That's a fantastic yeah, program. So, yeah, yeah. So that's, you know, I saw that and I saw this man, this man who can pretty much, who influences millions and millions of people's lives. And I was like, wow, what a great person. Now that's, that's a good role model to have. Truly. Now, when you jumped into this uh, Tony Robbins world, how old were you at this point? 18. You're eight, Okay, so still very young man, very young man. Now, were your friends aware that you had uh, sort of jumped down the Tony Robbins rabbit hole and started drinking the Kool-Aid or no? <laughs> um, no, I don't think that became prevalent until probably, yeah, I, I don't know, but either way, um, the ones who I couldn't interact with or have conversation. Okay, so here's the, here's what happened. So after that happened, I got my I finished my degree and then I moved to a country town. And so in this country town, there's fifteen thousand people. In this tiny little country town, I meet three mentors. One mentor, what he does is he does shares share trading. The other one does property you know development, and the third one does online marketing. And so from there, we hang out together all day every day. And we'd 
you know, go through tapes, listen through different, um, what do you call it, different programs, etc. And so we were constantly developing. Now, this is the age of 22, I think. Wow. So 22, I'm listening to this. I'm hanging out with guys who are 35 who've got families. It makes a huge impact on my life. And then on the weekends, I'd go home to the city. And all my friends would want to do is go chase girls and get drunk and, you know, party all weekend. Mm -hmm. And the only thought that was coming into my mind is, what are we celebrating? Like, you know, <laughs> what, what achievements have we made this week that we can celebrate? <laughs> and I wanted to sit down and have discussions about life and about, you know, the world and the universe and how we can pretty much do uh, or, you know, create a greater impact while we're here. And those guys were like, dude, let's go drink. Let's have another shot. I'm like, yeah, how about I'm going to go home? Wow. That's <laughs> and a... so but by creating that differentiation, it allowed people in my life to come into it who are of the same mindset. Granted, they were all older than me, but it's it accelerated my learning curve by a lot. So when you moved to this smaller town, and uh, you, you, you know, you mentioned your three mentors. How did you come about uh, getting into their circles, or or they in in yours? Was it just something that happened by sheer providence, or you know, did you seek these yeah, people was, out? No, it was just it just well, one guy said, "Hey, you're the new guy. Let me take you for a drive." And then we started talking, and <laughs> he started telling me about property development. And I said, "Oh, I want to get into property." He's like, "Cool. Well, this is how you do it." And he started educating me. Mm. Another guy was like, "Hey, I make money online," and I met him. You know, I met him at a shop, and I said, "Oh, how do you do that?" And then he started teaching me that. So, and then I said, "Hey, why don't we?" And then I met another guy who, well, he ended up was my supervisor. He said, "I do shade trading, and you know, I can make eight hundred dollars in a few minutes." I'm like, "Well, that's how much I get paid in two weeks." So, show me how you do that. Because <laughs> <laughs> back then, I was on a scholarship of twenty thousand dollars a year, and that's that's what the PhD scholarship is in Australia. Mm. And yeah, so then I said, why don't we all start hanging out and developing our minds? And so that's what we did. And so I was there for five years and it was the most incredible five years of my life because if that had not happened, I wouldn't have the brain that I have right now. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you guys, it sounds like you guys just formed a, a local mastermind group. Correct. That's amazing, man. I mean, especially to be in your early twenties and be exposed to, you know, such high level information, information that's actionable that you can use and, and ply your trade. I mean, that's, uh, I think that's, that would be my wet dream looking back now, <laughs> you know, as a, as 22, you know, I didn't have access to, to anyone in my life who had influenced me in that way. And so one yeah. of my, one of my complaints when I look at my life is, well, I didn't, you know, stumble onto this stuff until I was in my mid thirties. And so I feel like I'm behind the curve kind of a thing. Um, but you know, everything happens the way it's supposed to. And nah, the, when the, I hear you tell the, the story, man, I, there's a part of me that's really <laughs> jealous. <laughs> no, the, t the timing of destiny is always perfect. So, that's you know, true. you've got Mr. KFC, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And I think he started his journey at 65 or something. Yeah, some crazy number like that, right? Which at at the time would have been close to near death, you know. Like, you know, obviously life expectancy is is a bit longer yeah. nowadays, right? Yeah, hilarious. But I do wish that I had the information that I have now, when I was twenty, because if I had this information, because there's there's different levels of information in this world. Mm -hmm. If I had this information, the the compounding effect that I could have over you know, the, the people who I'm going to impact 
would have been much greater in my lifetime. And so that is one of my things that I wished I had, but I can't control that. Therefore, I can only maximize the time that I have left and do as much of that impact as I can with the time that I have. Make sense? Yeah, 100%. And, and I think that's a key point because, you know, as you were saying, and maybe you can talk to this a little bit deeper, but going into the levels piece and, you know, there always being another level or there always being more depth to a concept that you're studying, you know, at some point you start to reap an exponential benefit of that. Maybe you can uh, expound on what you meant by that. For sure. So when I was 22, the, the, the world that I knew was the Tony Robbins personal development area. Now I know everything to do with how to run businesses, how to build them, how to grow them exponentially, how to do joint ventures, how to do property development, how to you know do all taxes, legal stuff, just all of this, these little things, which would have helped a lot along my journey. Social media didn't exist back then, but now with the power of social media, I've seen brands getting built pretty much you know in a year, and they can take on the big guys very quickly. These are these incredible stories and the power of the tools that we have access to. So yes, I've spent the last, whatever it is, 20 years learning, but now I get to spend the next 20 years implementing and rolling this out, which is freaking amazing. Truly, truly. So at what point in your development did you start, you know, like you said, well, you know, I was working at McDonald's and then I did this and I did this and I went into school. You know, at what point did you start using these tools that maybe you picked up from Tony Robbins or from your mentors in the area of developing your own business? Between 22 to 25. So 22 to 25, I was trying everything that I could. I tried network marketing. I tried, you know, selling. Well, I tried selling on eBay and then I failed. I failed. I failed. I failed. And then I succeeded. And then I went, oh, cool. Look at that. I succeeded. Let me replicate what I just did. And being a scientist, that's what you have to do. You have to replicate your results, right? So replicated what I did. and. Um, yeah, that worked. And then after that, how can I make this better? Hey, look, I've got this eBay store. I'll, I'll give you an example for the people who are listening. So one day my, um, so this is probably about three, four years into my eBay journey. So now I know how distribution works. I know how products work. I know how shipping works, all of those things. My cousin marries this woman and she, she, you know, we get to meet her. And when I'm talking to her, I'm like, wow, that is an amazing leather jacket. So she's wearing this amazing leather jacket. This is incredible. And she goes, no, it's just, it's made in my local town. Okay. So she was from India, obviously. And so she, she goes, it's made in my local town where the, where the main supply is for the rest of India. Now I was like, wow, that's a lot of, they have stock and they have production. That's great. So I take her to the shopping center and I show her the quality of jackets at the boutique top level stores. And they're, you know, between 1500 to $1,800 per leather jacket. And so I said to her, how much does this cost you to get to buy it, you know, from where you buy it from? And she said, $80, $80. This is like from the, from the source. It's literally made in the factory and it's $80 cost price. And they knew the people who own the factory. So we take this product and in Australia, we have a website called Star Now. So basically it's a website where you can get uh, hair, makeup, models, photographers, everybody who wants, you know, to do gigs. So it's a gig economy. And so I went on that website and I said, hey, I'm looking for a fashion model. I'm looking for a hair and makeup artist. I'm looking for a photographer. And we've got a clothing brand. 
So we got these top models. We got a photographer who wanted to come in and take photos of the models. Therefore, they got a portfolio. We had a hair and makeup artist who came in and did all the hair and makeup because then they got the portfolio from the photographer. And all I cared about was getting these photos of our clothing line, our brand, on these models. You still with me? Very much so. Awesome. Cool. So tell me when I talk too fast because I get really excited. No, so no, now no. We've got... You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking notes. So now we've got... Cool, cool. Now we've got this great, you know, this great imagery because, you know, imagery sells. And then we put that up on eBay. But before we put it up on eBay, we build a brand. We call these things a certain brand. And um, I'm not going to tell you the brand, but basically, let's just call it uh, Max Leathers, for example, right? Okay. And so it's Max Leather, MaxLeathers.com and the other one's JaneLeathers.com. And those websites were built with the price points of $1,500 to $1,800, the same as the market rate of that quality of material of product. And then on eBay, we went in there and we put it as the only exclusive uh, resellers of brand name. And then we had all the photos there and we'd have it at a price point of about five to 600 to $800. So half price of whatever it is on the website. So people would automatically go to the website to have a look at it. And then they'd come back. They'd be like, wow, it's 1800 bucks. And over here, it's 500 bucks. I'm going to buy this one. So you can see that this thing quickly ramped up. And the more sales we got, then we opened up in eBay.com, eBay.co.uk, which is United Kingdom, eBay Canada, eBay New Zealand, eBay you know, Australia, obviously, and everywhere else in eBay India. So now that business is just scaling, scaling, scaling. One, it's using all the marketing principles. It's using branding. It's using business principles. And it's just incredible. So that's that's one example. That that was that's that's close to ten years ago now. Uh, that's an amazing story. I mean, you, I mean, you, you touched on a lot, obviously, uh, as you as you laid that out. But just understanding uh, the market, understanding the demand, understanding the the cost, the inputs, uh, the marketing piece, and then smartly creating this image around the thing that you wanted to sell. I mean, th- this this is all very, I think, sort of high level business. And I think that a lot of people would think that if they don't have training in this, that this is not something that they could do. But by the same token, all of these things that you laid out are very doable in today's world. Oh, for sure. Much, much, much easier now than when I did it 10 years ago. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so did you, did you run into any trouble when you were uh, creating your supply lines coming from India and, and creating that product? Or was it pretty much smooth sailing once you knew that, you know, you had a, an in at the factory? In the business world, there is no such thing as smooth sailing ever. <laughs> it doesn't matter how how you've got it laid out, how nice and systemized it is. There's always going to be issues. There's going to be issues with people, issues with stock, issues with customs, issues with there's a lot, there's always issues. But you just got to roll with the punches and just keep going because nothing can stop you other than yourself. 100. percent Did you have to uh, pony up a lot to get your uh, or pony up a lot of capital to get your initial orders in, or was it something that you were it able cost- to? Go it ahead, cost sorry. me a, it cost me a total of eight hundred dollars to get that business up and running. Really, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and when I say eight hundred dollars, I mean ten items, ten different clo- ten different clothing lines at eighty dollars. So that's eight hundred dollars. That's fantastic. So did you go through and have just like you know a one off of each item that you wanted to sell made, and then promote that item, and then buy 
uh, product from your well, sales, from your future sales? Well, the, fa- the factories already have all the product lines. Okay. And so we just put our brand on it. And so we had uh, infinite supply as long as, yeah, whenever we wanted, we'd just go there and say, hey, we need 100 more of these. We'd need 1,000 more of these. That's Easy. amazing. Oh, That's amazing. In, pays, in, pays to know in people in all, India, right? Well, it pays to know people anywhere. Your <laughs> network, <laughs> your, your network is your network. Right. So, no matter who I talk to, there's always so all day, every day. All I do is I talk to people, we create business ideas, and then we create different businesses together. Mm. So there's not one of my friends. I don't have any friends left who don't have businesses. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> because all we do is we talk business, and then we talk about how to maximize it and how to how to do it better. Absolutely. So is this uh, is this a mindset of uh, this mindset of developing business and building relationship with people? Is this something that you cultivated as you continue to dive into yourself and what was possible for you, or is this something that yes. you, know, you got from your father and and seeing him and his work ethic? Yeah, so definitely all of the above. So one, he never stops. I never stop. I was going until three in the morning the other day, well yesterday, and um, it's just it, you just got to do what you got to do. I've got friends who go. We've got some people, not friends, some people who go, why are you so greedy? Why do you have to have five businesses? And I said, well, it's not about me being greedy or having five businesses. I said, the more people, the more businesses I have, the more people I employ, the more people I employ, the happier their children are because I generally pay my people much more better than the average in the market. Those people live in a beautiful home. They raise beautiful kids. The kids are innovative. And then the kids become leaders who then go go ahead and create more businesses. Mm-hmm. So it's business that changes the world. Governments don't. Governments mismanage your money. <laughs> and it's the small businesses that are agile who can make quick decisions that can, yeah, business changes the world. That's, that's what my mantra is. I, I couldn't agree more as you, you're speaking my language, man, when it comes to uh, government versus business. And I've, I've seen that firsthand in my family and my life and in my personal businesses. And I'm a firm believer in that. I'm just curious. Um, you said something that's really interesting to me as I've had this similar conversation with a lot of people in, in my world. And that is this conversation of greed. You know, do you find that people actually come around to your way of thinking when you explain it to them? Or do you find that they're fixed in the way that they see it and that nothing you say is going to change their mind? Um, it all depends on their upbringing. So when I was young, I remember seeing guys in Ferraris and sports cars and, you know, then my parents would say he's probably a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and that is, that is how most people see people who are wealthy and they see them as doing something different or something you know illegal i should say but then as you grow up you realize that wealth is a direct proportion to the value that you add to the marketplace Mm -hmm. so right now if you look at your bank account it's a complete reflection of the people that you are serving the more people that you serve the bigger your bank account if you're serving yourself and your immediate family it's reflected in your bank account 100%, 100%, man. 100%. I'm curious about the climate in Australia. I've, I've not been to Australia, and I'm very curious uh, to know what your thoughts on how business versus, you know, maybe versus other parts of the world and how business is received there. I, I've sort of gotten the hint from watching some of the, the media outlets that way that business is sort of frowned upon or looked down upon in some circles. Is, is that true or no? I think that's, I think that's um, in every nation. 
But uh, in Australia, we have this thing called tall poppy syndrome. So as soon as you start looking um, better than the rest, they try and drag you down with them. <laughs> and it's just it's just part of life. It's I don't really care. It, I don't hang around with those people. It makes no difference to my life. Right. And, but the uh, environment, though, it sounds like though the, vir- the environment to build and grow a business there is still fairly favorable to business. Is that true? It is very favor- favorable to business because business owners understand the value of the, the value of, you know, other business owners and systemization, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's only the ones with employee mindsets who don't understand, who say, oh, my God, I saw that you were working until midnight the other day. When are you going to chill out? <laughs> yeah, take like, a break, when man. I'm dead. <laughs> it's that union mentality, man. You're making us look bad with all this, these extra hours you're working. <laughs> well, it's funny. The other day we got called into this company. Now, this company is a $2 billion company. And they, they, you know, they didn't have some of the most basic stuff. And so I was telling them, you know, I was showing them what they needed in order to increase their stuff. And I'll, I'll give you some, I'll give you some real examples. So they're sure. spending $150,000 a month on Google ads and Facebook ads. From that, they were generating 60 leads. 60. And so I said to them, I go, dudes, this is just one, you're getting absolutely ripped off. Two, whoever's, you know, it's, whoever's doing this is not doing a good job. And they said, well, this is how it's been done for the last five years, and you know, we're too scared to change. So I said, oh, that's fine. Okay. So I went on to Facebook, and I created a little ad campaign. And I created call forwarding, blah, 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 blah. I won't go into the details, but basically I built them a funnel. I launched it. I spent $260 of my own money, and they had 16 leads come in on Monday. So <laughs> they're like, <laughs> so their sales agent's like, what the hell is going on? How did we get 16 in three days? What's, what's this? And so then I called up the CEO. I go, hey, did you get my 16 leads? He's like, far out. How the hell did you get? He goes, the sales agent's talking about the quality of them. They're amazing. How did you in three days get 16 leads? That's because we're efficient. We know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so just by, we always do results in advance. So there's a couple of business principles there. One, people don't believe what you say. Two, people will always believe the results. So show them the results in advance and then have the conversation around what you're talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. So by showing, we showed them the results in advance, and then they're like, "Okay, can you come in? Can you fix up all this other stuff?" And so that's how we got the gig. Wow. So, yeah, man. That's amazing, man. I mean, like, uh, it blows my mind that they could possibly fathom that a six-figure spend yielding sixty leads is good. I mean, that those sixty leads would have to be worth what thirty to forty thousand dollars a piece to be profitable. Three hundred grand. Yeah, it's three, it's three, each each leads with three hundred grand to them. Jeez, it's crazy, unbelievable. Hmm. That's uh, that's amazing, man. I love how you um, exemplified the fact that you did spend your own money. You came back with results and said, "Look, guys, this is what's possible, and this is how efficient we can make you." I think uh, one of Frank Kern's big things is providing results in advance, and um, I've always exactly. admired that for sure. So when you cool. Yeah, when you started, um, when you, you you mentioned this conversation that you were having with this uh, this this uh, this two billion dollar company, you were just recently having this conversation Correct. with, yeah. Um, yes. And you were talking about some of the businesses that you were building. Is this part of your consultancy that you were talking to me about off mic? Yeah, correct. So that's that's that one. And now me and the CEO have become best of friends, and we hang out all the time. And now I've got a new mentor who's a billionaire who 
and it was upgrading my brain even more. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. When did you get into the agency game? How long have you been playing that, playing at that level? 10 years. Fantastic. So the agencies existed for 10 years. We have 92 employees. We have 80 of them offshore full-time, and we have 12 of them over here in Australia. They're project managers, they're sales guys, they're BDMs. Yeah, so that's that's been fun. And then from there, five years ago, the, the business became autonomous without me, so it didn't need me in the business anymore, except for a couple of key clients who will only see me, and that's just, that's just the way it is. Right. But um, yeah, we built another SaaS company, and the SaaS company, we build apps for buildings and for estates, and we took that to a $20 million company in four years, and that's headed towards $100 million in the next three years. And that's all systemized, it's leveraged, it's built on joint ventures, we turned all of our competitors into our alliances, and that's got a, that's got a whole other story behind it, and how we achieved that amount of success in that short period of time and how we've set it up so that it's going to grow exponentially. It's just, it's incredible. So that's another, yeah, that's, that's a, another that, story. Yeah. That's a fantastic story. I'd love to, to get some more detail around that. But my question uh, leading up to that is, you know, you talked about having the multiple, multiple businesses and, and having, you know, a hand in several different cookie jars at what point do you sit down and, or at what pro, or, or do you have a process that you use to decide what industry or business that you want to go into or pursue, or is it just something that you feel led to do? Um, I don't know whether I have a process. I have a intuition or a gut feeling, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> I'm sure there's a process in there if we dig it out, but basically it has to. Actually, here you go. You got the process. I'm about to tell it to you. It's just coming straight. <laughs> Straight from the brain. Um, <laughs> one, it has to add massive value to its end user. It has to be a win-win-win for all the parties involved. It has to be scalable. It has to be able to have multiple uses. So therefore, I'll give you another example. So we built we built this app, which has uses in uh, a building, an apartment building, but it also has uses in estates, it has uses in hospitals, in councils, in hotels, and resorts. Mm -hmm. Therefore, once you have built this product, a little bit of tweaking, and it can be used for multiple uses. Therefore, you're leveraging and you're scaling. Right. Hmm. So there you go. You got my process out of me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's amazing what happens when you ask, ask the brain a couple of questions, right? <laughs> so uh, let's talk a little bit about this, um, this most recent uh, venture that you're talking about. Um, how did you, how did you, how did you go about deciding to enter into that uh, realm of business, the SaaS business, for example? And then, what was sure. the story leading up to creating that company? Okay, so the SaaS business. Um, I moved into a building, and when I moved in, they told me it was the best building in Melbourne. And then, pretty much, the first day that I moved in, I get a little piece of paper under my door saying, "Hey, your carpets are getting cleaned." And then at nighttime, I get another one saying your windows are getting cleaned. And I thought, okay, something's broken. But pretty much after a month, I realized something's not broken. This is how they do things. And I had an inch thick of paper sitting on my table. Now, this inch thick of paper, I pick it up. I go down to the building manager. I go, how much does this cost me? He said, it's a dollar per sheet. So there's 500 apartments in that building. A dollar per sheet twice a day, right? 365 days. A year, <laughs> 500 apartments, that's 
$365,000 problem. Right. So I said, hey, why don't we build, build an app for the building? He said, I don't know what that means, but <laughs> you sound like you can build some software. He goes, I need to build some software to manage the building. I said, okay, cool. Let's, let's talk about that. And so he gives me the scope of works. So I look at it. I go to Dubai because Dubai leads the, the world in, um, what do you call it, building management. Mm-hmm. Look at their systems, come back, reverse engineer it, and then show it to him. And he goes, this is incredible. I love it. He goes, let's show it to the owners corporation. So we do that. After we do that, they go, we'll love it, we'll have it. He goes, hey, tell them about your crazy app idea. I said, all right, I will. So I tell them about my crazy app idea, about how we can send out push notifications and tell people that you know, their windows are getting cleaned and carpets are getting cleaned. This is 2012, mind you, so you know, apps were still pretty new back then. Sure. And they go, wow, yeah, cool, we'll have that too, because they want to be the best building. Ever. And so they took it, and as, as I'm walking out of the building, he comes chasing me going, Dude, how much money did you just make? I said, I did all right. He goes, well, I've got 30 other buildings. Why don't we partner up? I said, yeah, sure, let's partner up. So this is where my philosophy around joint ventures comes into play. So we partner up, and we launch it into all these buildings. And you know, two years later, we've gotten into all these buildings. And he goes, hey, I'm retiring. I've made enough money. I said, are you serious? We've just started. You know, We've barely even got 1% of any, <laughs> any of the cities. He said, no, I'm retiring. I said, okay. So I bought the business off him. And then I was sitting there and I said, hey, Universe, I need somebody to go sell this for me. And the very next day, I get a phone call from these guys going, hey, Johan, we've been, you know, nice to meet you. We've been trying to copy your systems for two years. We can't do it. What's it going to take to buy you out of partner with you? <laughs> I'm like, well, that's pretty freaking interesting because I just asked about you yesterday. To <laughs> I don't know if you believe in manifestation, but I do. And you ask and you shall receive. That's what I believe. So I asked and I received. I go to meet these guys and they start telling me about how they want to turn it into a $100 million company. Now, back then, we were doing about a million dollars. And for me to picture a $100 million, it was just out of my mind. Like my brain couldn't comprehend a $100 million. And so they go, we don't build businesses like you do. We build businesses properly. Went, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> statement. Because my, my digital agency, I built with blood, sweat, and tears, and a lot of tears, right? Right. And with the SaaS company, I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So we go on this journey, and it takes me two days of my time for the next four years, and it turns into a $20 million company. And I'm like, wow, that was easy. And so that was a little thing in my brain going, wow, that was, that was so much fun. In the meantime, two of my friends, they committed suicide. And that's a messed up topic, but they did it because they had they were in business and they were drowning in debt and cash flow issues, taxes, et cetera. And they thought that that's the only way to get out. Wow. So they do that. And so I said, you know, no business owner should ever have to do this. So I stopped, you know, my brain was just like, I need to figure out a formula that's going to help business owners. So that's, that's what my brain was focused on. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, another friend called me up and said, hey, come to this seminar. Now, I hadn't been to any seminars in 10 years. So I go to the seminar, and sitting next to me, it's a workshop, sitting next to me is this little 65-year-old lady. The 65-year-old lady has got $26,000 in her bank account. And the guy on stage is pitching a $25,000 package. I turn to her, and she looks at me. She goes, I'm going to buy it. I said, please don't buy it. You're never going to be able to use it or implement it. And I knew the guy who was speaking, and I knew that he couldn't deliver Anyway, she was adamant. She said, I don't have as much time as you, Sonny. And she walks up and on stage and you know, puts down her credit card. And that's her life savings over there. Wow. And at that point in time, I just got really shitty with the fact that there's this events industry. They're the educators of business owners. 
who educates business owners? These people who are on stage, right? Or experience, and, really. And so I went, well, there's all these guys who haven't ever really built a business. I mean, their business is extracting money from an audience, not building a real business. And so I said, okay, we have to build an, uh, we have to build a company that shows people step by step how to build their businesses with real world examples. And so from that came business authorities. Me and my wife, we sat down, we were strategizing and saying, okay, how do we build the SaaS company? How have we built our other businesses? And just like you said, ask the right questions, the brain, the brain gives you the answer. So we came up with the formula that you can use in any business. It doesn't matter whether you're a startup or if you're a 10 million or $100 million business, this applies to you. And so from there, we built the business authorities formula. We built the business authorities brand. We built our mission around it. We launched it in February. It's been going and just growing organically and exponentially. And it's been just been the most fun ride of my life because now I get to hang out with amazing people all day, every day mm -hmm. and help them with their businesses. So take us down that path a little bit. So what is uh, your mission? Go into that a little bit and explain what you guys want to create with business authorities. Yeah, for sure. So business authorities, we want to, we want to get the formula into every business owner's hands so that they know that there's a proven formula that if they follow step by step, they can achieve what they want to achieve. The goal of business authorities this year, we did a million impacts. So an impact. So every time anybody transacts with us, some, some sort of good is done in the world. So it's um, B1G1 is the platform that we use. And so, for example, if somebody buys a TV, not that we sell TVs, but this is an example for the people who are listening. If you buy a TV, you're getting to watch something amazing on that TV. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the vendor who you bought it from automatically gives a donation to a child in Africa to get an operation on their eyes so that they can see. see. That is one impact, right? So it's yeah. kind of like the almost like the Tom shoes model where you buy a pair and a pair is donated sort of a thing. Exactly. Correct. And you get to choose, you know, all the different causes you want to donate to the problem with, you know, other charities as opposed to this is when you donate to a charity, 80% of it is used up in the admin fees. Right. And only 20% actually gets to the end, the end person. Right. Whereas with this one, a hundred percent of it goes to the end person, the, the person who's receiving and you as the vendor pay the admin fees, which is $365 a year, which is nothing. No. So, yeah, um, it's a dollar per day. Yeah, that's so amazing. From that, we want to create next year, we want to create 10 million impacts. So this year we did 1 million. Next year we want to do 10 million. The year after that, I want to go after 100 million. So that's a big mission that we want to, that we've taken on. And yeah, we want to impact those, all those lives. And we can't do it without the help of all the business owners that we influence. Right. And so by helping our business owners build, grow, and scale their businesses and getting them into it, they're then creating more good in the world. Therefore, we all have a better world to live in. That's amazing, man. So you're measuring impacts just in terms of good done to or for someone else. Correct. Every, every interaction, every transaction has a good impact. I love that, man. That's, that's absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So as you're building this out, and obviously you're running into lots of business owners, entrepreneurs, uh, people who obviously are going to be, you know, 
open to hearing what you have to say and, and interested in your help. What are some of the common problems that you're seeing with entrepreneurs or business owners? What are they facing? What are, what problems are you helping them solve? Well, the first problem that nearly every business owner has is shiny object syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> they always like, Ooh, I just learned about TikTok. Ooh, I just learned about LinkedIn. Ooh, I just learned about this. I'm going to start doing this. Like, why don't you just sit down and get your, principles your foundations in order first and then you can go and do all your shiny stuff but um yeah one lack of clarity that's what leads to shiny object syndrome number two lack of productization they 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 don't productize everything they do they build bespoke stuff so therefore they cannot scale number three they they don't have a constant flow of leads so they're always searching for new leads and they're always hunting and then they're taking on different people who shouldn't ever be their clients because they're taking on shitty clients. Number four, they're taking on you know um, jobs that are less than what they deserve or it's not their passion. Number five, cash flow. They don't know how to manage their cash flow. They don't know how to use that, how, how to turn that into an asset that generates them more income. They spend what they make. They don't invest for their future. They They don't look forward to, you know, hey, I'm saving this so that I can retire, or they don't have an exit plan. They have no automation. They cannot up-level their staff. They cannot, they cannot upskill their staff. They cannot scale the business. They cannot amplify their, their message, their tribe, and therefore that's why most businesses stay stuck at the two to three employee and less than, I think they take home less than $100,000, mm-hmm. and they barely break a million dollars. And that's 95% of the businesses. Wow, that's amazing. I, I've seen a lot of this in, I used to do a lot of marketing uh, back in the day. That was actually my first business. And I saw quite a bit of this as I consulted with different business owners. And um, some of the things that you just went through hit me really hard. And I had some flashbacks from these conversations that I was having when you're talking about lack of clarity. That was huge. That was something that I, I found was common across the board. No real clear direction and then this idea, I think the word you used was productize. And I th- Correct. are you referring to basically systemizing what it, whatever, their offer, whatever their offer is or whatever their offering is? Yeah. Or just, you know, too many of them just build stuff without. So let's, let's, let's talk about digital. You know, there's a funnel. And people just go in there and they're like, I'll build you a funnel. And then they'll build it from scratch. Whereas you can have different funnel packs where you go, I will set up a lead generation funnel for you. I'll set up a appointment setting funnel for you. And they've got a system so they know exactly how much it's going to cost them, how much it's going to cost in copywriting and branding and implementation. Whereas they'd sit there and they'd build each one for each client with hours upon hours with the client. And yeah, it's, it's not productized. I see. Just not realizing that there's so many similarities that a lot of that stuff can be canned and cloned. Correct. Beautiful. The lead gen piece also hit me hard, right? That's a big, big function of marketing is getting the message to the in, in front of the right people. And then you talked about uh, shiny object syndrome where people are bouncing from, you know, I guess platform to platform or media to media, depending on your, your perspective. What do you, th- what do you see happening in the world today in terms of all these different platforms and the proper usage of them? You know, you, you see some people who want to specialize in a particular a social media platform, other people want to specialize in a particular pay-per-click uh, uh, ad platform or something along that line. Do you feel there's any advantages or disadvantages for specific businesses in terms of social versus like paid 
or is it all, does it all come down to just what you're willing to invest in pay and buy, you know, buy eyes on a particular platform? They, they both go. Um, so it's called above the line, below the line. And whatever you're doing above the, above the line is, you know, all the marketing, et cetera. That's uh, let's say social, for example, all the organic stuff. And then below the line is all the paid PPC. So you need to find a nice happy place between the PPC pay per click that you're doing and the organic stuff that you're doing. So, you know, there's people, well, me, I'm primarily on Facebook. However, in order to achieve omnipresence, you need to be on all social media platforms, but I do not have time for that. Therefore, next year, 2020, we're employing somebody to be that person who can distribute our content across all the channels Mm -hmm. and complement that with the PPC of each individual channel to get the results that we need. Right. At the end of the day, the point of social is for people to get to know, like, and trust you. And now it gets to, I think, 16 times before anybody gets to, it feels like they know, like, and trust you. So if you see my face 16 times, or you see me talking, or you see me singing, you know, there's different ways to create affinity in the, in the world. And, well, funnily enough, singing is one of those things where it's a very personal thing. And if you see somebody singing, you feel like you know them. Um, yeah, so there's... That's that's pretty much how it's going to go. It's going to be you need to be present on all the platforms. You need to be using their tools specific to each platform to get the right outcome from each platform. And then you need to drive them all into your funnels, into your own autoresponder, because having audiences on the platforms, you are now um, behold to their rules. So when people when people are building up Facebook pages into the millions and then all of a sudden, Facebook only said, oh, we're only going to show your post to 10% and the rest of us will be paid. <laughs> Those guys got really screwed over. Right. <laughs> Yeah, there was a lot of crying in, in, in the milk that those days for sure. I'm curious, do you, do you feel like there's a specific um, industry or maybe, let me see, maybe the, maybe a better way of thinking of it is, is are there specific industries that would not work on, say, social, for example? Like a lot of times I see uh, real estate agents, you know, constantly promoting a house that they're showing on, on social media, like Facebook, for example. And the reality when I see that is I, I really don't care. I'm not interested in seeing this this house that you're posting, right? I feel like you'd, you'd be better off getting, you know, getting in front of someone else somewhere else. Like, you know, message market and media need to line up. And I don't feel like this is the right platform. What do you think about that? Do you feel like certain industries work well on Facebook versus working well on another platform? Okay. So Facebook, people say, I don't know if my industry is on there. Facebook is like a, a menu. You can literally open it up and go, I'm looking for CEOs who turn over $2 million a year, who drive a Maserati, who have da-da-da-da-da, and those are the people who are going to see your ads. Where the disconnect of what you just explained happened where people are showing you houses and you don't care about it is because they haven't got their ideal client right and they're just trying to show it to everybody. Mm-hmm. When they've dialed, dialed down and got their ideal client right, that's where the magic happens because when you're targeting marketing to only ideal clients, they're going to get the best benefit out of that and therefore your sales, your conversions, the value that you created all increases. Yeah, maybe you can speak to this, you know, coming from the, the agency side of things. Like obviously if someone's doing organic posting on a particular social platform like Facebook, for example, and let's say it is a real estate agent and they're, you know, pimping their next house or whatever the thing is. I don't really see a benefit of doing that organically other than just maybe allowing people to understand that, Hey, this is what you're about. 
when you when you flip the switch and you go onto the PPC side and you open up, you know, business.facebook.com and you start writing ads, that makes a lot more sense to me. Do you feel like any of that organic stuff even matters? It depends where you put it. So if I'm if I'm posting stuff on my profile and I've got my business lists uh, my lists sorted so that it's only showing to my family the stuff that's related to my family and if I've only got my business interests showing to my business friends. So did you know that in Facebook you can add people and add them to different lists? Yes. So that when you post, yeah. So most people don't know that. And yeah, it's um, the right message at the right time to the right people. That's what it's all about. Right on, man. Right on. It just seems to me that, uh, you know, a lot of the problems that you laid out earlier when you're talking about leads, you know, jobs, cash flow, all the rest of it, it seems like a lot of those problems can be solved by, purchasing and you know by by a proper ad spend purchase whereas a lot of times i feel like uh, especially small businesses are reluctant to spend any money on advertising they think that just throwing it out organically is gonna you know create a payday and i've never seen that work oh yeah yeah so there's there's always people inviting me to you know like their butchers and this and that and i'm like <laughs> dude <laughs> um yeah it's, it's crazy and that's not even in my city you know i'm like that's um okay interesting so yeah um but that's but that comes down to education right they don't know anything else so if they don't know what works or what is working it's our jobs to then educate them about why what they're doing is not that good right and so when we do say so for example people say oh i need leads i'm like okay have you got facebook they go yes you go open up your facebook and then scroll so i'm talking to a digital agency here Mm -hmm. and they're scrolling and I'm like, look at that, sponsor that. Do you think you can do better than that? They're like, yes. I'm like, then do better than that and show them because those people are paying money for those sponsored ads and they're doing shit. Right. And so when you do better and you get them better results, then go say, hey, can we have a look? Can we do an audit? Can we help you? I love that, man. It's just like you said, right? Show them some results. Exactly. Beautiful, my friend. So um, I guess at this point, I'm curious to know what your view of success is. Obviously, you've you've built quite a few companies. They've all been monetarily successful. I know that you you know you have a woman in your life. You have children in your life. You know what does success look like for you at this point in your career? A big smile on my face <laughs> and knowing that I knowing that I used up every second of the day. Oh, that's beautiful. Effectively. Knowing that I used up every second of the day effectively. I'm going to have to quote you on that. That's beautiful. (laughs) So before I ask my last question, tell these folks how they can get in touch with you or work with your company. Sure. So they can go to businessauthorities.com forward slash new book, and they can get my new book that's coming out there. Or they can go to Facebook and type in business authorities community and join our community. And that's where I share a lot of golden nuggets. Yeah. Come join us. Fantastic. I'll make sure I link all that up in the show notes. And uh, my last question is always the same. And that's simply this. What does wellness look like to you? Wellness. Okay. So I believe that a lot of business owners, a lot of people, in fact, sacrifice too much in order to in the in the pursuit of money. And they 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 sacrifice their wellness. Wellness is without wellness, you have nothing without your health. You have nothing. You know, um, you need to look after yourself. You need to look after your body. Your body is your temple. If you're running at 80%, at 20% extra that you could have got out of the day, you've actually wasted it. And there's a compound effect off it. 
So therefore, you need to get enough sleep. You need to get enough vitamins, nutrients into your body. You need to your body needs to be looked after. And if you don't look after it, um, it's not going to serve you as well as it could. So the wellness is just being at peace. Enjoy the sun. Drink lots of water. Stretch. Be happy. Smile a lot. <laughs> I love it, man. Keep it simple. Do the things that you know you should do. And, uh, you know, don't have to be reminded to do them, right? Exactly. My wife um, always talks about, you know, a dog's life. So our dog will every morning wake up and go and sit out in the sun for a couple of hours and he'll be smiling there. He'll be on his belly. He'll get a belly rub. He's always happy to see everybody. And he'll hustle somebody for a treat and then he'll get a treat and he's all happy. (laughs) And then he's always stretching and yawning and enjoying his life and making the most of it. And she's like, now that's the good life. (laughs) That is the good life. And I love that your dog's hustling, man. That's fantastic. <laughs> uh, dude, every, everyone in my, my family, you talk to my three-year-old son, and if you ask him what does he love to do, his, his reply is going to be closed deals. Closed deals. Then, oh, that's fantastic, that's brother. I love that, man. That's fantastic. And then, then if you ask him why, why is he here on this planet, he'll, he'll reply back to save the world. And I said, how are you going to do that? He said, well, I want to save all the animals. You can save all the plants, but I can't carry all the animals. So I'm going to get, I'm going to enroll all the superheroes to help me save all the animals. I'm like, damn, that's pretty damn good, kid. That's very damn good. Kudos to that kid, my friend. You're doing a fantastic job with him, it sounds like. Thanks, man. Absolutely, brother. Well, hey, man, it's uh, it's approaching uh, a little bit after 11 p.m. for me. I know it's uh, early evening for you. I would love to continue the conversation and maybe we can do this again, maybe do a part two and a part three, because I could probably pick your brain all night, especially when it comes to the marketing piece. Um, but I know you have other things to do, brother. And um, I want to thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to me today. It has been um, a, a great pleasure, my friend, a great pleasure to learn a little bit about what's going on in your life. Um, and I know that I could sit at your feet and learn tons and tons and tons of ideas and things that I've never been exposed to. So I hope to have the opportunity to do that in the future. So guys, be sure and check out Johan. Be sure and look him up. I'm going to link all of his stuff up uh, in the show notes. Be sure and check out his program and his company, Business Authorities, if that is up your alley and something that you're looking to um, advance and up your business game. I think this is going to be the man you need to speak to. And with that said, guys, on behalf of Johan and myself, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you, my friends. Talk soon. That's going to do it for this episode of Hardwater Radio, guys. As always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. And if you're vibing on this content, be sure and help us grow the tribe by liking, sharing, subscribing. And by all means, leave us a comment on your favorite podcatcher. Let us know what you like, what you dislike. And if you are someone out there who would like to tell your story, we are a collector of stories here. Shoot me a message, jason at hardwater.com or pick me up on social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, whatever works for you. And I'd love to have that conversation with you guys. Until then, this is Jason Archer signing off, reminding you to remember your future.